0: The greatness of a nation and its moral progress can be judged by the way its animals are treated. This beautiful quote by Mahatma Gandhi is the framework of our show today. We're speaking with a woman who changed her direction in life to start an animal rescue. Goatlandia, animal rescue, love for animals, love for self. Hear the amazing story here today on An Organic Conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helge Helberg. We've come a long way in the protection of animals, as some of them do enjoy relative safety in the wild, as well as at home, as domestic pets. Unfortunately, when it comes to animal welfare and commercially raised animals for consumption, such as chickens, pigs, lambs and of course cows, there's little to no governmental protection. To make a difference, a woman in California decided to change her career and provide a safe haven for exactly those animals. And her story is our topic today. Goodlandia Animal Rescue. Love for animals, love for self, all that and more coming up in just a minute here today on an organic conversation. I'm your host Helga Helberg, and this show is brought to you by Equal Exchange a worker-owned cooperative that ensures your food is environmentally sound and socially just. Equal Exchange has been creating big change for small farmers for over 30 years by offering certified organic and fair trade coffee, tea, chocolate, bananas, and avocados. More on Equal Exchange at EqualExchange.coop. That's EqualExchange.coop. And by Utterly. Offering beautiful and fun clothing for boys and girls that is made entirely from the unused fabric of prominent apparel manufacturers. Each garment reduces our eco footprint by preventing this fabric from reaching the waste stream. Adderly. Making sustainability fashionable and fashion sustainable. For more information, Adderly.co. That's U-T-T-E-R-L-Y dot C-O. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. Goatlandia, animal rescue, love for animals and love for self. That's our topic in this hour. It's about a place in California where commercially raised animals do find a safe haven. Deborah Bloom is our guest today. She's the founder of Goatlandia. That website is Goatlandia.org. And she's here in the studio with me. Thank you for coming in. Welcome to you, Deborah.
1: Thank you, and thank you for having me. It's so great.
0: I stumbled across this topic, and of course, animal welfare shows have been part of an organic conversation for years in various aspects, from the wild to which is under threat, of course, to um, protective animals on the endangered species list to pets. Today, we are talking about commercial animals first and foremost, I believe, but. Let's give the listener um, some background first. You had a busy life as a commercial pilot, I read, in your bio, and even as a restaurant owner. Can you tell us about your career first? Like where, (laughs) how were you raised? How did you, what was your career choices and why? Certainly, yeah. yeah.
1: I've had a lot of different careers. (laughs) I've been a really busy gal. Um, my first love was in fashion design, and I worked as a swimwear designer briefly in my early 20s in San Diego, where I grew up. And shortly thereafter, I met a chef and got married two weeks later. <laughs> it's a whole nother conversation. But I ended up finding myself in the restaurant business, which I loved. I loved food. I loved hospitality. Um, so I worked in the restaurant business for about 30 years off and on as a restaurant owner, um, and I learned a lot. Again, I, just, I love food. I love taking care of people. Um, in between that time after I got divorced, I got into flying. Uh, my father had been an um, aeronautical engineer and a pilot, and I had these fond memories of flying in our family plane as a, as a child. So. I sort of found myself at an interesting crossroads in life and needed something to dive into, so I dove into aviation. And as I do with almost every of my passions, I dove in completely. And I worked through and got all my ratings and taught flying and worked. Um, I flew cargo for a while, and then I also flew corporate. Um, but I got to the point where it got a little boring. Um, it was involved a lot of sitting. A lot of traveling, it's not quite as romantic as most people think. So I got out of aviation and back into restaurants with some partners of mine and did that for several years until I moved up north, so.
0: Wow, yes, that is a busy life. And Mm -hmm. uh, what was the moment when you realized, at least at that point, that what mattered most uh, was was requiring a change in, in direction?
1: Yeah, I I remember that that period in my life pretty specifically. Um, I was living in a in a very small place in the city. I was working way too many hours and just definitely feeling the stress in, of an urban environment. Um, you know, I was I was getting older. I was in my early forties at the time, and I had gone to volunteer at an animal sanctuary in Utah and came home with a second dog, <laughs> which was unexpected and. I just found myself in really close quarters and just stressed out by the city life. And I had the second dog and I needed more space. And one day it just kind of clicked. It was this um, epiphany. I I needed to get out of the city. I needed some land. I'd lived on a sailboat for a couple of years and I just, I wanted to be on earth. I wanted some space and um, some room to fulfill my dream. So I just, uh, to the surprise of many of my friends and family, decided to move to Santa Rosa.
0: (laughs) Yes, and those dogs do that to us. They uh, do. Yeah. <laughs> I literally, before the show today, uh, dropped off a bag, a goodie bag with an, an undestroyable ball that uh, my dog was never able to actually take care of <laughs> in that sense. And uh, he passed a year and a half ago, and mm-hmm. I brought him back, the, the this travel bag, I brought it back to the shelter where I got him to close the the circle. And wow, that was way harder than I thought to... Yeah. enter that door again where i pulled him out 14 years ago um, so yes they do enter your heart in a very specific way as as many or most or all animals do really our connection to nature whether it's through food or through animal companions or through our love for nature absolutely including all animals land farm animals you want it Soil you want dirt under your feet again how do you go about that? How do you know um, which how to pick if somebody listens to this and, and says, "My love for animal animals is as as big as gigantic and how do you technically pick land and start a, like, how do you know how many acres and the zoning and all that? How do you go yeah, about that? Yeah,
1: well, I never intended to have an animal sanctuary or rescue organization, <laughs> so um, in Just hindsight... Just two, it went to three animals yeah, to Yeah, it kind of happened by accident. So in hindsight, if I, was, um, if I was in that position again, I would definitely look for probably a little bit more property. Um, the things that I would recommend to people that want to start a sanctuary like this, um, definitely having... A, good access, good reliable access to long-term water is very important. Um, I know as water becomes um, increasingly difficult to find, um, having that water to be able to to keep the animals healthy is, is very, very important. Um, good quality fencing. I'd rather buy a property with fantastic fencing and a really crappy house than vice versa. Um, fencing is really expensive and good fencing is, is such an asset. Um, so good fencing is important. And in the case of my property, I'm very, very close to, um, to Healdsburg, to Windsor, to Guerneville, to downtown Santa Rosa. I'm about an hour from the city. And again, it happens. That by, city is San Francisco. San Francisco, Francisco yeah, correct. I'm an hour many from San Francisco. Yes. So even though we're only two acres at Goatland and we're a very small sanctuary, we have the ability to reach out to a lot of people. Um, people come up from the, the city of San Francisco. They come up from the East Bay. They come south because there aren't that many animal sanctuaries north of me. So placement to to really um, concentrated urban demographic is a real bonus. We're able to get a lot of visitors in. And even though we're small, um, we still we we're very grateful that we can reach a lot of people. We're in a very accessible area, so that's important as well.
0: We're talking about animal rescue, Goatlandia animal rescue. In this case, love for animals, love for self. In this hour, often organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg, and I'm speaking with Deborah Bloom, the founder of Goatlandia, uh, out of Santa Rosa, California. That's Northern California, um, as Deborah just said, just about an hour north of San Francisco. Goatlandia.org, the website what is it now can you describe it if somebody was was to drive up or visit you do you, what what would they find sure certainly um, so <laughs>
1: you'll find a lot of goats <laughs> um, so it you know it's a very interesting situation we are a, um, a business we're a 501c3 nonprofit um, It's also on my home, so you really get people really get the full experience of what it's like to live with animals completely. Um, But we people find um, all sorts of experiences with us. We do a lot of of events. We do Airbnb experiences where people come and get a tour. We harvest from our organic garden. We go inside and we have a cooking class, and we sit we sit down and serve them a four course dinner with wine pairings.
0: And the goat are literally looking over your shoulder. Oh yeah. (laughs) Really?
1: Oh, yeah, they would come inside and sit right down with us if they could and um, we do kids education days during the summer where kids come and they visit the animals and they do arts and crafts and they eat lunch and um, we do a lot of therapy. We have some therapy animals, so we will either go out into the community or have um, children and adults come to us and we there's a really special bond that happens between children and adults with disabilities and animals. Oftentimes, it's hard for them to relate to to other human beings, or yes. there's a feeling of that they're inferior. But with animals, their love is so unconditional, and you really see the, these people blossom when they're around the animals.
0: So. Yeah, beautiful. We had a show on wolf therapy. There's a wolf mm. shelter, wolf rescue just outside of Los Angeles in the hills, and they work with the hardest, um, you know, violators and and uh, gang members, really hardcore uh, clientele, and when they are in the presence of wolves that's the only animal or the only being really that can enter their heart they melt and Yeah, it's, it's quite powerful beautiful work
1: yeah it's very special and i'm i'm honored to be a part of that um
0: what, what animals do you take to to the community, for example?
1: Ah, uh, we have a blind lamb named Max. He was born blind, oh. so <laughs> he's really sweet. He has a, exceptional hearing because of his uh, disability. So we use oh. him a lot. We also have um some one or two new babies that we have that are great for the little kids to come and visit. babies um, of what? Oh, goats, uh-huh. goats and lambs. And then we have uh, an older goat named Rainy who is a fantastic ambassador. So we bring her to classrooms and um, speaking engagements, and she's she's great. She We put a collar on a leash on her, and she'll walk right beside us. She just loves like to a go. Dog. Just like a dog, yeah.
0: It's not yeah. just uh, goats, though, right? You have different other... Animals. Yeah, now at this point. Where do, you, do. How do you differentiate, and what do you have?
1: Um, we have t- right now. We have twenty goats. We have two sheep. We have four ducks. Um, Forty-nine chickens, and five pigs. Um, we're pretty much at capacity right now. Um, the only animal that I wish I could have that we don't are cows. Um, cows. Cows are fantastic beings, but they're also incredibly large, and they consume work a lot. Intensive, yeah. yeah, very work-intensive. They consume a lot, and they create a lot of waste. So. Um, you know, I, I'm very conscious of maintaining a sanctuary that's balanced and healthy for the animals, for the land, for everyone there. Um, there's a fine line, in my opinion, between sanctuaries and hoarders, and I don't want to come in anywhere close to that line. So we, yeah, unfortunately, we're not able to take any more animals at this time. Um, but we do have an adoption program, so we have about four animals right now that are up for adoption. So as we make space, and as animals pass away, um, we make the, you know, we're able to rescue more.
0: But you yeah. would need to say no right now if somebody was. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Up. Yep. And that's one of the hardest parts of um, my yes. job every day is saying no. But what we do do is I I also we get a lot of calls from people either looking for animals or have that have animals that need homes. So we keep a list of all those people. And oftentimes, we're able just to pair people up, which is fantastic. I get to play matchmaker and <laughs> um, help people that have animals that need homes. Um,
0: goatmatch.com.
1: Yeah, totally. So it, it <laughs> works. Yeah, I just did one um, about three weeks ago. And it was great. I was just able to facilitate putting these two parties together, and the goat got a new home. And yeah, so I'm happy to be able to do that as well. Yeah.
0: How did the animals find you? Like, how how did you? You said you didn't plan for it really. Out of two, it became four, and then eight, and now it's what almost twenty, sixty. <laughs> well, sixty animals in total, if yeah. right. Um, yeah. How. How did they find you?
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, like like I said, when I first moved up there, I, I didn't really intend to have an animal sanctuary. Um, I just moved up there and wanted to live with animals. Closer to the land. Yeah, so I, I, I um, bought 12 chickens at the feed store. And I have a friend who owns a dairy up there that had sold cheese to one of our restaurants. So I had a friendship with him and a good relationship. So I reached out to him, and he was able to give me a couple goats. So that's how it started in the beginning. Um, then my mission so to speak, shifted um, when I became vegan. And that's kind of another um, story there in itself. But I started to, to learn more about the plight of farm animals and how so many of them were discarded simply because they were male or because they were small or because they had birth defects like blindness. And, yeah.
0: Well, milk production goes down. And yeah, whatever.
1: exactly. So um, I, I changed my tactic from uh, buying pets, per se, to rescuing animals. And that's kind of when the whole sanctuary movement in my heart started. So, but nowadays animals come to us from all sorts of, um, places. A lot of times people will call. I had a lady who called a couple of weeks ago and she, her and her daughter <laughs> went to the auction and bought two little tiny goats cause they were so saddened by the plight of farm animals. And one of them passed away and the other one survived. And so he's with us now. So sometimes people bring us animals. Sometimes we'll hear stories. At an
0: auction somewhere else. Yeah, we don't go to auctions. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's just far too painful for me personally. But um, I also have good relationships with people that run dairies or veterinarians. So when they come across a case that's really special, like a blind lamb, for instance, um, or um, another goat with a birth defect or a goat that was sick at birth, then they'll call us. And if we can take it, we do. I also have – I'm very blessed to have a lot of other sanctuary owners as friends and associates in the area. Mm -hmm. so. When a case comes up, we'll often all talk together, and if someone else can take that animal in, they will. I have a good friend, Erica, who runs Flatbrook Farms, and she does only rescue. So she takes in animals and heals them, makes sure they're safe and healthy, and then adopts them out. So she's able to actually find homes for thousands of animals um, versus us that so we're a permanent sanctuary with a smaller adoption program. So
0: I was really impressed by the programs, your your cultural or community integration that you've already created how many years have you you've been doing this
1: well <laughs> we've only been a nonprofit for about a year and a half yeah but um from having owned <laughs> restaurants for so long and having done
0: you are a social machine
1: yeah having done a lot of um <laughs> pr work and special event planning and just running a restaurant in itself is kind of like coordinating a little tiny small City. event every yeah, day I'm yeah sure. there's so many things involved <laughs> so i was really lucky i mean i i went to there's a um organization called farm sanctuary and they're kind of yes. the gold stinks uh gold standard of animal sanctuaries sure they've been around for 30 years and um i'm honored to know some of the people there and i went to a animal care conference there two years ago and it was all about it was like a workshop for people that wanted to start sanctuaries or that had sanctuaries and it was really useful. It was. It was. We kind of learned all the good, the bad, and the ugly parts of of him having a sanctuary. So um, coming out of that class really confirmed my desire to to do this and become a nonprofit. And but it also armed me with a lot of useful information: how to recruit volunteers, how to reward them and recognize them, how to fundraise, which I'm still learning about because I'm horrible asking for money, um, how to take care of animals, how to build a website, how to make sure that you comply with all the federal and state regulations in terms of a nonprofit. So um, getting that training was one of the most um, invaluable things that I did to prepare myself. And I just love planning events. So, And,
0: and that's Farm Sanctuary, right?
1: Farm Sanctuary, yeah. They're yes. in Orland and Acton yes. and what? Great organization. Fantastic.
0: That's farmsanctuary.org and mm-hmm. Deborah Bloom's website is Goatlandia as you would think it's spelled goat and then landia.org all one word. Uh what is the good the bad and the ugly? What does it take?
1: Oh gosh, so um the good gosh there's so many wonderful aspects to it and I have to say, you know, <laughs> these animals that I've rescued, um they've rescued me just as much as I I've, I've rescued them. Um I think that one of the results of our modern day life and the frenetic pace of it all is that we just get so stressed and so caught up in things that don't really matter. Um, my therapy these days is just going out and sitting with my animals. If I have a really bad day and I'm feeling wound up and stressed, I just go sit with them, um, and they remind me how what matters. Yeah, remind me what matters, and just kind of bring me back to my heart center and. The blessing in being able to be a nonprofit is that I get to share that with people every single day that we have visitors. Um, we we just had thirty people come in yesterday, and gosh, to see like these kids meet a pig and they've never met a pig, and the pig rolls over and wants a belly scratch and. People are just in awe and they meet goats and they see how different each one of their personalities is. And to see our chicken Wanda who wanders in and around and follows everybody and knows her name, it's just, it's really beautiful to be able to share that, that peace that, and that tranquility that relationships with animals bring with The public is just fantastic.
0: Animals never, it's like children, but they never grow up, really. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So directly, too. I want to scratch right now. (laughs) Oh, yeah,
1: totally. And they're just so unique. I mean, I know all my goats just by their voices. And, um, yeah, they're part of my family, for sure. Um, That's the good That's the good, yeah. And there's a lot of other things. All of our events are so fun. Our goat yoga is just awesome. Yeah, we want to talk about that in a minute, but yes. (laughs) But um, the bad part, yeah, it's really hard. I mean, it's hard to say no to people every day that call with animals that need homes. Um, It's hard to... Um, and we you, had a,
0: you can't take like a pigeon with a broken wing right yeah i mean, that stuff, I mean like those animals that tough. get injured a deer that get hit that's yeah not what you do.
1: we don't do wildlife so certainly yeah. we focus on farm animals so um it's hard to say no we say no all the time you know i wish we had the funding to go buy a 100 acre property and start another sanctuary but we don't so that's hard how, how many acres do you have right We're only now? two so <laughs> we're a micro sanctuary um And it's also, it's, yeah, it's hard. There's days I feel like I'm, you know, fighting a battle that can't be won. Yes. But those days are very few. Um, And for the most part, I see the results of our our work every day and and just the things people tell me and you know I'll have friends reach out and be like wow you know I I came there a year ago and I've already changed my eating habits and I feel better spiritually and physically I mean that's that's huge that shows that our work is having an effect but and it's also hard to lose animals you know we have a lot animals that get sick I lost an animal three years ago and it's you know that it's hard to hard to bear that just the same pain that we have with dogs and cats of course family yeah they're family and when a goat dies it's really sad it's really hard but you know, it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved it, mm-hmm. Yes, course, so.
0: <laughs> And the saying comes to mind of the beach where there are thousands of sea stars and you throw one back and the person asks why are you doing this makes no difference. Well, it made a difference for that one. Right? It, absolutely.
1: <laughs> yep. And I remind myself that every day. And Good it's fun work. The work I do is, is fantastic. I, um, You know, I'm out there in the field. I'm getting busy. I'm doing work every day. I'm getting dirty. I'm in the sunshine. I'm in the rain. It's, it's great. It's much better, in my opinion, than sitting in a cockpit or sitting behind a computer.
0: We want to talk about the ugly and also the extremely beautiful, all the programs that you are running in more depth. For example, Goat Yoga. Who knew? <laughs> that is Deborah Bloom, the founder of Goatlandia out of Santa Rosa, today in the studio here with me, Goatlandia Goatlandia.org. That's Gotlandia Animal Rescue. Love for animals, love for self is the episode. And yes, all around the quote by Mahatma Gandhi, the greatness of a nation and its moral progress can be judged by the way its animals are treated. I'm Helge Helberg. We'll be right back with so much more. Stay tuned. This show is brought to you by Frey Vineyards, America's first organic winery, family owned and operated dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines award-winning wines at frywine.com that's f r e y w i n e.com and thank you also to earls organic produce a national distributor of organic fruits and vegetables that has been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years From grocery store to company cafeteria to caterers and personal chefs, anyone can buy from Earls Organic. Certified organic produce at earlsorganic.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. Our topic in this hour is animal rescue, how to build one, why would you, the good, the bad, and the ugly, Goatlandia.org is the organization today, represented by the founder, Deborah Bloom here in the studio with me out of Santa Rosa, Goatlandia.org. Deborah, we talked about before the break, the the good that's pretty clear and self-explanatory. Anyone who has a Fondness of animals knows what you're talking about. That um, I get lily teary eyed when you spoke of that goat, which I've even never even met. There's something so kind in animals that really it is only the human species, in a way that that defines its character. Through that quote by Mahatma Gandhi, what's the ugly of running a rescue?
1: Oh, gosh, the ugly, I would say, um, to be frank, it's usually the human interaction, Um, you know, because we because we do what we do, because we have the same amount of love and dedication to the care of our, our animals as most people do for cats and dogs. It's sometimes it's hard to get respect from people. Um, It's hard to find veterinarians that don't roll your eyes at you because you want to spend ten thousand dollars to save an animal's life. Um, Sometimes people from the public can get somewhat offended um, by our actions or by our, our. Um, communication with them. Um, It's really difficult. I have people that, you know, want to adopt goats for a 4-H program and things like that. And we don't support that, you know, so it's really difficult. The the hardest part of it, the ugliest part of it is dealing with human beings because we're so fallible and we make judgments and sometimes it's hard for us to open our hearts, you know, so trying to, trying to approach people with a very non-judgmental approach is is what we really try and do we don't judge people we just want to show people that there's another way
0: Is the public not all in support like most why, of them, how would it most come
1: of them absolutely are but sometimes um you know people are so sometimes some a few people and it is a, a very small minority will just think well that's crazy why are you saving like what about all the millions that are killed every year like why are you going through all this mm-hmm. effort to save 10 um, but that's again uh, because we can not because we can yes. and it does make a difference and i think that that w- the work that we do inspires people to think differently so yeah and that that's tough i mean i'm really fortunate to have one of my board of directors as a vet at uc davis um i work with um, a fantastic vet sonoma Marin vet in our area and they they absolutely respect what we're doing and they respect me because i've done my homework and i i've learned about veterinary medicine and the uh, correct care, and we spare no expense in making sure our animals are cared for, so that's fantastic.
0: It also seems like there's a generational shift, or or a societal shift, rather, on the sensitivity around the the natural environments. There's almost like a, a you know environmental movement 3.0 now. Finally, including animal treatment. Whether it starts just by being conscious of the stress a cow that is being slaughtered experiences, and that stress at, ends up in your body. That's all tested now, and that those stress hormones might harm you and create stress in the human body as well. Wherever our care comes from, even if it starts with our own bodies first. Mm-hmm there seems to be, I don't want to even call it a vegan movement, because that has such a branding on it, but an animal consciousness that I'm seeing. Do you see that too?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, animal rights is the next greatest, uh, you know, rights movement. I really do. I feel like People are starting to realize, and I, I think it's largely too because it's it's somewhat been um, out in the public. You know, there's these great figures like Esther the Wonder Pig on Instagram and, you know, people having goats that surf and people are starting to view all animals as, as sentient beings that they are with families and emotions and desires. And yeah, I think it's great. I think people are really starting to open their hearts and their minds. And, you know, for me, what caused me to turn vegan was a video that I saw on Facebook and it was, it just happened across my Facebook feed and it was all about the slaughterhouse process and, and the consequences of our choices, what we eat, what we wear, you know, in terms of leather and everything. And when I saw that, I, I, I knew that in order to live my life in accordance with my principles and my beliefs, I had to stop eating animals and animal products. And so I think, yeah, I think people are really learning to open their minds and their hearts to animals of all species. And it's wonderful to see.
0: Beautiful. In regard to programs I just put it together when we invited you to the show I've seen the goat yoga a year ago in some magazine somewhere or some newspaper uh, so you are doing a really great job on PR uh, it it had reached me and I saw you know 10 women outdoors doing yoga and literally in one photo there was a goat standing on somebody's back doing downward dog
1: yeah yeah, um, because goats, of
0: course, are looking for the highest vantage point to make sure they're safe, right? Yep. They always jump on mm. stuff. Tell me about your programs. What yeah, else?
1: so we didn't, an- I'd like <laughs> to say we invented it. And yeah. yeah, we didn't. There was a lady, I don't know her name, but there was a lady on the East Coast that um, that actually invented the whole goat yoga movement. Um, but yeah, we do it. We have a, a wood platform out in our biggest pasture, and it's right off of Olivet Road. Um, so we get to look out at it, the beautiful vines across the street. And yeah, we have about uh, 12 yogis that we can accommodate and we let the goats in and the goats, it's really fun. We we don't take it too seriously. It's more Obviously. of a sort of <laughs> yoga. <laughs> yeah. um, we did, our very first time we did yoga, it was really funny. The pigs, um, who are incredibly smart and can find any weakness in the fence, the pigs broke in and, you know, they're very curious too. So they came over and started eating someone's mat. <laughs> so we don't invite the pigs into yoga anymore. Um, but yeah, we have a blast. The goats love it. The people love it. And it's just a wonderful experience. I
0: mean, you must be constantly laughing, oh, just yeah, to be yeah, surrounded. It's, pretty- <laughs> it's so absurd in a way that yeah. you would do yoga in a beautiful natural setting, and there you look to your left and there's a goat staring at you, oh, yeah, hysterical yep.
1: there's a little bit of goat poop here and there, too. It's just you got it's just all gotta fun deal with it, funny. yeah, it's wonderful. The goats love it. The yogis love it. So.
0: And you were saying earlier you were bringing therapy animals to hospitals. There's a mm-hmm. veteran center, right? But-
1: yeah, we go to, um, we'll go to centers where they have children that are disabled and also adults that are disabled. And it's a wonder. it's a really wonderful thing to do. My sister is a special ed teacher and she helps us locate those opportunities and also helps teach us about how to interact with children and, and adults with special needs. So, yeah, it's wonderful. It's really rewarding. It's, it's often very hard. You know, I would put that in one of the difficult categories of having a sanctuary we went to during the christmas time we went to a a home for five adults who are severely disabled emotionally and physically and it was really hard to see my assistant was getting kind of teared up and i was as well but we have to remember that you know when that one moment when they connect with that animal and to see them smile and giggle and laugh and pet them it's just that's that makes it all worth it
0: yeah how do you make those community ties you just call them up and say we have amazing calm animals and it's
1: you know, it's funny, they've all found us. People have learned about us and they've reached out to us. Um, my sister's helped facilitate a few, but yeah, most of the time they've, they've found us. We've had a really successful, really busy first year. Um, in our first year we did over a hundred events. So that's like one every three days. Um, so, yeah, they've, they're finding us, which is great.
0: Which is also the next question. Um, what are your goals? What What are your dreams? What are your plans? Uh, what, you know, you were saying of if we had 100 acres, but then you would have several hundred animals. Yeah. <laughs> um, so be careful what you wish for. Right, there might be totally. listeners saying, P- I have 50 acres here. Just use it.
1: Right. Yeah, which we could do for sure. What, um Yeah. Well, you know, we, we do so many different things at Goatlandy. in addition to the animal rescue and the tours and the public education and outreach and therapy. We also do a lot of, we also have a really large food program. We do plant-based catering. We do mentoring. So we, a lot of people that contact us or people that come visit. We had a lady yesterday that had no idea how about the truth behind dairy and how babies were taken from their moms and And she really, she was like, wow, I really want to eat less dairy, but like, what do I use instead? So we will reach out to those people if it's right then and there, or afterwards we'll go to the grocery store with people, help shop, give them a list of products we like, how to use them, how to cook with them. Um, We also go to community events like the Apple Blossom Festival, for instance, in Sebastopol, and we cook as a food vendor, and we make uh, cheeseburgers and barbecue chicken sandwiches and potato salad. We make a great one, and uh, we show people how good plant-based food can be. We had AmeriCorps come recently and build some fences for us, and we cooked lunch for them, and we made the Beyond Burger, which is a new plant-based burger, and the kids were blown away. They're like, wow, this is so good, and it's it's vegan, you know, and vegan has such a negative connotation, but... They're, the products that are coming out now that are plant-based are just amazing. I mean, people are eating them and not even realizing that that they're not animal products. So, so yeah, I would, I would really like to res, uh, expand our food program. But, yeah, at this point, our biggest challenge really is fundraising. You know, my, my background has been in for-profit business, and opening restaurants is easy. You open the door, and people come, and they pay you. Um, having a nonprofit is different. You actually have to fundraise. You have to socialize, and you have to get your message out there. And asking for money. Personally, is really hard for me. So, um, that's our goal this year is to actually become better at that and look at ways to, to fundraise better. But yeah, as a goal, I'd love to be able to get enough money to hire some employees because I'm really busy. Um, You're
0: the only full time. Yeah, staff, I have so my say. roommate
1: is my assistant and she teaches the yoga classes and she's a fantastic chef, so she works with me on that. But yeah, she's an independent contractor, so I, I haven't been able to raise enough money to hire her mm-hmm. full, full time.
0: As a nonprofit, since that's I believe is public, what, what's your budget? Can you?
1: Oh yeah, so our first year it was kind of skewed by the fires, but um, I think our beginning budget for the first year was eighty thousand uh-huh. dollars. We ended up spending probably closer to ninety five because of the fires. Um, we we had to evacuate our property, and then we actually spent. The next week, helping people rescue their animals, and we fostered several different herds of of goats and also some chickens,
0: just temporarily for yeah. the fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some
1: horses, some donkeys, and we're still fostering 30 animals at my mom's house in Sebastopol. So, yeah, the fires definitely impacted us. We are still spending an extra two to three thousand dollars a month to care for animals that we received from the fire that either owners gave over to us or that we're still fostering. So, yeah, so our budget. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to raise some more money and hire some employees because there's so much work to do. Um, you know,
0: it's relatively little. Money though. It's it's a yeah, small budget. It is. I mean eighty thousand dollars, you know, it if is. you hit two hundred fifty thousand yeah. to fifty thousand or half a million every year.
1: For sure. Yeah, and that's because we're small. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the work that we do, we do, you know, I do a lot myself. I do all the accounting, the marketing, the event planning. And you um, have
0: memberships, like you have patrons who can donate um, on a certain level? We just, and
1: yeah, we take one time member uh we, we take one time donations right now. That's one of the things I'd like to do is set up recurring members yeah. and donors on our website. But again, it's like every day it's kinda of like, Okay, Something what's the else, most important thing? Course. Yeah. And, you know, as with anything, the animals come first. So, you know, I'll have my list of things to do one day. But if an animal gets sick, all that gets dropped for me to take care of that animal. So I would love to have more money and hire some employees and do some more good.
0: (laughs) Deborah Bloom, the founder of Goatlandia, goatlandia goatlandia.org. If you're inspired to check it out, please do so by going to the website goatlandia.org. In our episode in this hour, Goatlandia Animal Rescue, Love for Animals, Love for Self. Even though you understand yourself as an animal rescue place from the outside, it's really kind of an ecology community center at this point. Or how, do you, how would you really describe it with yeah. everything that you do?
1: Yeah, so that, that's a really good point that you brought up. So um, it's interesting because it is my home and I live there, but we also do a lot of things on the property to sort of inspire more respect for nature and the land. We do compost some of our own scraps, all of our food scraps from our food prep, um, from when we eat, goes to feed our pigs, We have uh, gray water, so all the the plants on the back patio are watered by gray water. We have um, rainwater capture, and that rainwater um, waters our organic garden. So yeah, we do a lot just on site to kind of respect the land, to respect the animals, respect ourselves, Um, and we teach people that when they come to the property. We show them our rainwater catchment system and show them our garden and what we're growing and how, how to grow it and... And that's really fun too. You know, it's it's more than just a rescue center. It's a sanctuary for them. It's a sanctuary for us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. With all exactly, uh, rescue for animals, rescue for you. Instead of a you know cement built. Yes, we are saving animals, but we are not part of the ecology of it all. You are. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As much yeah. as you can possibly. Mm-hmm. And I'll we're really be.
1: lucky. We get donations from uh, Oliver's Market on Stony Point here in Santa Rosa. They give us produce twice a week, which that's where I'm headed next to pick that up. Um, and that helps feed our pigs and our chickens and our ducks. We get beautiful lettuce and fruit from them. And then Village Bakery in Sebastopol donates bread. So we get bread from them too. And the pigs love that. We cut them into croutons and soak them in fruit juice or whatever. And they love that too. So we do get some food donations, with help, which helps out a lot. And it's nice to be a part of the community. It's nice to see, instead of that, you know, those food crops going to the dumpster they're going to feed our residents so that's fantastic
0: who wouldn't want to be an animal at your rescue oh (laughs) yeah they eat really
1: well (laughs) they eat scrambled eggs from the chickens and organic lettuce
0: we're almost out of time but i do want to ask you of course you touched on that earlier as in when we are kind when we love when we rescue they rescue us right back i can truly say that after 14 years of my first rescue shepherd how much the heart opening happened Mm. with him yeah so you've been doing this now. If you compare your life before to now, what is the greatest lesson that you
1: learned? Oh, wow. Yeah. The greatest lesson that I've learned is to just, um, to stop fighting, to relax and, you know, take a moment to observe life. You know, life is such a rush all the time. And sometimes it just, it really behooves us to slow down and take a moment to sit on the earth, to spend some time with your animals, to, to, to just stop and like smell the roses, so to speak. And doing what we do is incredibly, um, it's a lot of work, but it's it's also a lot of joy. I feel like a completely different person. And I had the opportunity to stay in a career and a marriage where I would have been, a you know, someone making several million dollars a year and going to high-powered social events. And I can honestly say I'm much more happier where I am now than where I would have been there. Yeah. Yes. So. The
0: greatness of a nation and its moral progress can be judged by the way its animals are treated. And It's fair to say, Deborah, that your little nation there is pretty much as good as we (laughs) could do it. Thank you. Thank you for all your work and for coming in. Beautiful to have you. That's Deborah Bloom, the founder of Goatlandia. Again, if you're inspired to learn more, goatlandia.org. And um, in this episode, love for animals, love for self. Goatlandia Animal Rescue. Thanks and good luck. We'll have you back.
1: Thank you, Helge. It was a pleasure. Take care. Bye.
0: We're staying with the topic of overall sustainability. In this case, The Food on Our Plates. Here's the Consumer Update, the weekly tip of what to buy, how to buy, how to navigate the grocery store, the produce aisle with the best items this week. Here is What's in Season. And with me now is Earl Herrick of Earls Organic Produce. That's EarlsOrganic.com, the premier wholesale distributor of organic fruits and vegetables out of San Francisco for all of Northern California, usually on the phone, now in the studio. Here I am. Thanks for coming in. (laughs) You're coming in with crates of beautiful organic produce.
2: What we're going to talk about today, because it's the time to do it, blueberries. So several years ago, talking to some growers that were not into blueberry, uh, they were not blueberry vendors or growers. They said uh, they had identified blueberries. This is the beginning of the antioxidant, you know, awareness and just the beginning. They said we're going to make blueberry year-round crop out of California. They had. uh, How do you just do that, Nick? Well, some of it is. the right planting really, varieties. I, like, I think it's varietal. I think it's also uh, the 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 huge state that it is with all these different microclimates, they they would most of it is on the coast. And when you uh, match the climate with some new technology, which is hoops, not that it's new, but the application together and the right varieties and the way you prune your crop, you can actually manipulate the timing of the production. And hoops so- Hoops
0: meaning hoop houses, meaning these yeah. canvas round yeah, coverings plastic. to- Exactly. Pl- and then yeah. and
2: it's with a uh, plastic tubing and they're probably tall enough for uh, a person through, to walk through. Uh-huh. And, and they uh, keep
0: the warmth just a little bit, you know, the plant protected from the elements, just enough correct. to yeah, yeah give it they, a week and, and ahead.
2: That, yeah, and they can open up the ends, so they get ventilated. They can do lots of different things. Some fairly manual, simple manipulation will do. That's the what we're talking
0: organic about the technology. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> there you changed. go. That's our technology.
2: <laughs> um, and, and so they made an it umbrella. Happen. They made, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they made it happen. Part of what. They, well, the need was there when you're importing blueberries and, and, and total superfood
0: recognized uh, yeah. five, six, eight years ago as wow, this is yep. the it big is
2: and, and they and for me as a buyer and a seller they're the perfect <clears throat> berry because they hold up. Uh-huh. I mean, so I mean, it's not like a strawberry or a raspberry or a blackberry. You got to sell it in one or two days. Uh, you can hold it for a week, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. It's very hardy berry, and in the winter the plus is that. It's not hot outside. Mm-hmm. So the fruit is not stressed. So when it comes to me, when I buy it or when anybody buys it, it's you got you got some shelf life on it. And the flavor is not like July, but doesn't mean that it's bad. It's mm-hmm. just got different flavor points. So it has less sugar but it has more tart, a little more different complexity to it. It's a wonderful piece of fruit. And the reason I'm bringing it because March is kind of turning into the new peak time.
0: Wow that's amazing. Yes. I mean and you know we just tried these before the segment and beautiful. I I mean I don't mm-hmm. have the direct comparison to June. I I come from the winter m- months now. Yep. It's the first blue, blueberries I'm eating. I was still looking at them 3 weeks ago thinking yeah blueberries it's too early. I won't even try them. Mm-hmm. Wow these are beyond Great. I mean these are really great. This is a totally yeah. f- totally solid delicious berry already and we are just in mid-March. Yeah. So they must have gotten enough sun already to at least have well, that flavor and sugar.
2: Well, we we are we have had some some uh, weeks yeah. some some good warm days. Uh, nights are still cold and I think it's a variety. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, the varieties are there. One of is called a Snow Catcher, I believe, and it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I know. The uh when I say the new peak, it, you know, it's not really the new peak, but it, it is a peak. The biggest peak is still going to be in June, July, when you have uh, Oregon and Washington and uh, still just coming on in production sure. at the tail end of, of, of California and other areas that are... But it's not just a niche
0: crop. Enough growers have gone blueberry... Oh, yes. Yeah, so to- they're
2: reasonable. So in other words, what, what creates reasonability in price is supply. So, when you have enough supply, you're gonna get a decent price. And right now, I think you're probably going to be paying probably maybe five dollars a clamshell. I'm not saying that's cheap, but back in the day, five years ago, you' were paying $8 nine. or nine dollars. Yeah. and And the quality is there. You're not going you're not gonna lose any. I, i've I've brought them home and kept them for a week or two, and they're fine. They're great for smoothies, They freeze. They're great fresh, of course. use them in an endless amount of ways. And, and this
0: is not this is not big industry crops, right? We are talking small, growers. smallest farms, small growers, few acres. Yep, five, six, eight, t- ten, fifteen acres. I mean, tiny compared to industrial. Almost agriculture.
2: All, yeah, almost all the grow blueberry blueberry growers with whom we purchase are under ten acres, uh-huh. and they're family farms. They live on the farm, and uh, it's pretty great. Historically, they go to farmers' markets, and when they have production that. Uh, over is oversupplied, what they can sell, then I'm able to buy them. Yes,
0: and so in you know ten years ago, this argument was made that the organic movement it's an elitist movement, and of course, um, blueberries for nine dollars a pint or five ninety nine a pint, still very expensive. Uh, it it suggests that only at a certain income bracket can you do it, and that might even be true. But what you're supporting is not an industrial agricultural system. These growers rely on those shoulders where they can get that price either mm-hmm. at a farmer's market or at a retail store um to to manage the entire farm right if you hit the shoulder right this mm-hmm. might make or break your year of production because in summer you can't compete against washington larger farms maybe uh, or you know like th- having that income working on a five eight ten percent profit margin uh, you you better hit the shoulder and sell it for that and make a little bit of money so that you can survive the rest of the year, isn't that true?
2: Yeah, right on the mark. Right on the mark. But and I would also venture to say I think it's a worthy conversation to, to say that anybody that's creating anything is looking for a shoulder, or there everybody that is creating is food looking, or otherwise. Yeah, food or otherwise, you're looking to differentiate yourself. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, you're finding your niche, yes. and sometimes you're developing it, and sometimes you fall into it. But the year-round blueberry out of California is a real thing. You're not sacrificing anything for flavor, uh, and also it's coming. It's becoming reasonable. I did want to make a slight cor- correction. Mostly you're going to see them at this time of year in, in half pints, not pints. So uh, just a smaller container. When, when uh, the summertime comes, you'll find much larger containers because the yeah. supply will be bigger.
0: But you are supporting really the smallest farm in this agricultural movement when you you know give yes. yourself a treat and yeah there you we, go we have shows on budgets and how much time is be, uh, how much food is being wasted how much time too but how much food is be- being wasted and uh, budgets and how to live on on a really really small budget off an organic diet and yet when we do purchase from small growers we are talking community and local farm farm workers or in this case family farms. It's really the the fabric of life it's the fabric of California's agriculture blueberries not being grown commercially in that sense of mm-hmm. factory farm size
2: it's all family growers you're saying right yeah, all the ones that we're dealing with now the and also when you when you're supporting a family farm you're you're supporting the beauty, the landscape the 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 natural habitat it it's it's a powerful thing and a family farm is is it means that that family is living on the farm and there's been a huge uh loss of that historically i think there's it's balanced out a little bit now but you know we want to keep our our lands, we want to keep our food as local as we can.
0: Yeah, we're hanging at about 2 million family farms in the U.S. We've lost by far the vast majority of farms. <clears throat> in fact, agriculture now is at a level where it's statistically irrelevant as an occupation, and yeah. that's what we do three, four times a day. We eat. Yeah, me. Yeah. Wow. So, yes, mm. beautiful. And blueberries Words add crazy that it's March, and people have figured it, you know, farmers have figured it out to pr- yeah. pr- provide that kind of quality of crop in March, as early as March. Do you see them in every retail store already? Is there enough supply? Yes. To, yeah,
2: Yeah. they started at the uh, end of January, and the way the vendors, the sales people that, from which I would buy, they say it's going to be peaking big supply come March, and certainly has. And so, uh, you know, we set up ads and promotions and talk about it and here i am talking about and quick tip on how to pick them you want that that Plume, right? You Mm -hmm. want that little
0: dust on them. Actually, that's a good thing. It's a sign of freshness.
2: That's very true. You want full color if you can. It should be bright, also kind of a bright, healthy uh, look, but not too shiny. Uh, Should have a bit of a bloom on them, like you say. And of course, that kind of grayish dust. That's actually a good thing. That's right. And uh, they should be fairly uniform in size, big or small. Doesn't really matter. Some people like. Should they rattle, like? So that you know they're firm and perky. and Oh, well, that that might do. You don't want them to be wrinkly. Yeah. Though I tell you, um, I, I sometimes keep them in the refrigerator and they, they wrinkle a little bit. They dry up. And the fact is they're even sweeter because they're the more moistuous. concentrated. Yeah, of course. But yeah. I'm- and
0: most stores would allow you to try one,
2: right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Definitely. You want to ask your produce person, though. Always. You don't want to be grabbing and opening up clam shells. You do. Unless you buy them. Ask
0: ask for forgiveness. (laughs) That's That's my motto. (laughs) Just do it. But no, yeah, have that relationship again with your produce guy and try them before you buy them. But do try them because they are wonderful blueberries where it's
2: at. Yes, recommended. Thank you, Earl. Enjoy now.
0: Can't wait to have you back next week. Me too. That's Earl Herrick, founder and owner of Earl's Organic Produce, earlsorganic.com. Also on Facebook, Earl's Organic, with amazing recipes and weekly produce tips so you can save a pretty dollar getting the best and the tips on how to navigate the produce aisle. We'll have you back next week. Yes. And that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thank you so much for listening. A big thank you also to our associate producer, Kristen Ponger. An Organic Conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Equal exchange. A worker-owned cooperative that ensures your food is environmentally sound and socially just. Equal Exchange has been creating big change for small farmers for over 30 years by offering certified organic and fair trade coffee, tea, chocolate, bananas and avocados. More on Equal Exchange at equalexchange.coop. And utterly offering beautiful and fun clothing for boys and girls that is made entirely from the unused fabric of prominent apparel manufacturers. Every garment reduces our eco-footprint by preventing this fabric from reaching the waste stream. Adelie, making sustainability fashionable and fashion sustainable. For more information, Adelie.co Also, Earl's Organic Produce. A national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business. Are you a chef? Have a catering business? Or planning a party? Or simply just love organic produce? Anyone can buy directly from Earls Organic at wholesale prices. The website is EarlsOrganic.com And Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery. Producing organic and certified biodynamic wine without synthetic sulfites or other preservatives. Family owned and operated since 1980. Fry Vineyards, Mendocino County award winning wines. For more information, frywine.com. That's F R E Y W I N E.com. Lastly, thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. If you missed parts of this show, or for any other episode, go to anorganicconversation.com or subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, so you'll never miss an episode. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, find us on Facebook and Instagram at anorganicconversation.com and on Twitter at Talk Organic. I'm Helge Helberg, and we'll be back with another great episode right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then.